You are listening to Sing Amen, Ministering Through Music. I am Jennifer Kerr-Budziak, and welcome to our podcast. Our last podcast episode featured a conversation with David Haas interspersed with some of his music as we talked about his life and development as a musician and how he found his way into the world of pastoral music. He shared some of his thoughts and priorities, not just about being a composer, but also about being a church musician in general and the work we do, the things that are important. So if you haven't heard that one yet, please do check it out at singamen.giamusic.com from two weeks ago or subscribe on iTunes iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. So in today's podcast, part two of that conversation, David and I talk about a specific issue faced by pastoral musicians in general. How is it that so many musicians can be privileged to spend so much of our lives doing something we love as much as we do this work, and yet find ourselves in places of soul-draining exhaustion and burnout? Why does it happen? And how can we learn to take care of ourselves so that it does not happen? What can we do? And here we see a side of David that is as much about being a spiritual director and leader of prayer as it is musician. Interspersed again with some of his songs, we'll pick up last episode's conversation as we talk about the question of how to keep our ministry real and authentic and to keep ourselves centered and where we need to be on our journey. And as always, you can find information about all the music on this podcast on our website at singamen.giamusic.com. We'll begin with his song, I Will Live On, which is a reflection on the love and compassion of God reaching in and carrying us through our times of struggle. And so here's David Haas.
the spirituality of what we do is as much a part of you as the music you write, that you, you've become sort of pastoral leader, retreat leader. You know, you write your columns and your daily living reminders and, you know, just this stuff to help us keep going. There was a column in the GIA Quarterly back in 2001. Um, I don't know if you remember Bob Battistini for the GIA Quarterly. Yes. There, every, every issue, issue, there would be some little column that he wrote. Right. And they were, they covered all kinds of topics. They were usually, you know, a little bit curmudgeonly and, you know, well, very direct. Was, whatever and was in Bob's mind at the time. Yeah. Whatever was in his yeah. mind. And, and they were great. I used, yeah, to, I used to go straight to that column in the Quarterly every time they came out. Um, there was one that came out that, uh, again, summer of 2001, the title of the column was Personnel Crisis. And he was talking about just the extreme level of burnout and unhappiness that a lot of church musicians tend to deal with. So this this surfaced at a time, I think, when GIA was hiring, and they got this huge surge of applications, basically from people who wanted to stay in the field, but were worn out, overwhelmed, burned out by parish life and the work. Just to read a small section with it, he says... The church appears to be crushing the spirit of many of its dedicated musicians. In conversation with some of these folks, we've heard nothing we haven't heard before. Life as a pastoral musician is not easy, especially if one wishes to have a life aside from work. Pastoral musicians work evenings and weekends, holidays, holy days. The time spent preparing and practicing is generally seen and appreciated by no one. In some parish situations, other staff members work an eight to four or five day a week schedule with a lot of time off at Christmas, Holy Week in the summer. And sometimes, especially if they live outside the parish boundaries, these staffers don't necessarily worship in the parish they serve which strengthens the impression that the parish musician hardly works because they never see the parish musician during the daylight hours of Monday through Friday. So there's this whole, and he says, besides, singing and playing an instrument is more fun than work. Tell that to the musician who just finished six weekend masses. Right. I wonder, could, would you be able to talk a little about how, Well, you know, yeah. I what think, do you say to people who Well, because, no, that was 2001, you That said? was 2001. Yeah, I don't think got, it's gone. It, it's not gotten better. <laughs> no. Um, and, and, of course, aside from the music and liturgy question, I think, you know, just lay ministry in general is in a crisis. Morale is not good. Of course, we live in difficult times now uh, with um, sexual abuse crisis in the church. It still continues to have its effect. Young people are rejecting institutional religion in Droves, not just Catholics, but mm-hmm. you know any denomination or tradition. So that's still there. But in ministry in general, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people. This is what I hear people say. I'm still committed, but I've lost my passion. Mm-hmm. I hear different versions of that being said. They're still in there working, but it's it's a job. They go in, they do what they do, but they um, they don't. There's there's an absence of joy. It's an absence of joy. And part of it is because it might be that they're working with a very difficult or autocratic pastor, or they're just, bur- like you say, it's it's burned out, parishes are closing. Uh, a lot of people who are, lack of a better word, credentialed, or people who have chops are losing jobs because parishes can't or won't pay them what they can live on. You have a lot of uh, volunteers, or what I call exalted volunteers, and I don't mean I mean, I, I love them to death, but a lot of people who are not as skilled you know, or people who are just uh, at a more one-on-one level, and that's a wonderful thing. The, I mean, the workshops that I give, I'm, you know, I'm, there are a lot of people there who they want to learn, they want to grow, whatever. That. So all that being said, I think without a spiritual foundation of uh, not just care for self, but I mean just uh, nurturing that 
it's easy to get cynical. It's easy to get jaded. It's easy to get burned out. If you're going to do five, six liturgies a weekend, for example, if you don't have some things that strengthen your spiritual life, eventually it, it can eat you alive. You know? And then what happens is, you, know, you go to conferences like the NPM and people sit around and there's a lot of bitching, sorry to use that word, but an awful lot of venting because people are, are upset, they're frustrated, they're venting, they want things to be better, they really do care, but what happens is we uh, lash out and we, can, we set up camps you know, of, of division and the obsessions are things about what's quote liturgically correct mm-hmm. or what am I allowed to do or my pastor won't, I hate to say this because I think it's too, I don't like getting into priest bashing, but a lot of times it, people are working in situations where they're just not allowed to do common sense things. So we get caught up in things like, my pastor won't let me do more than two verses of the responsorial psalm, or we can't, or I can't be creative at all, or that song's not allowed, or, I mean, just a whole list of things. That to stay in this, our faith and the foundations of our faith, we have to be strengthened. And sometimes they have to come from places outside of the so-called traditional structures that provide it. For some people, it might mean belonging to a Bible study group or spiritual reading or making a retreat. But what are you doing to take care of yourself spiritually? And when people say to me, well, my work is my prayer, that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign because no matter, I mean, no matter how prepared you are to leave music in the liturgy, you're still thinking about the next song. Do I have the capo on the right fret? Is the right page up there? Oh my God, um, you know, I forgot how the introduction goes. I mean, you, you can't be totally, and plus you're in, a, you're in a position of leadership. So what are you doing to take care of that? And, you know, I can always share my own story. I mean, I, I mean first of all, having a, a, a system of support but also um, there are certain spiritual heroes that I read that really strengthen. One of them for me is Henry Nouwen. You know, I've had other people who, uh, who I read and try to stay grounded in that, finding whatever your spiritual, everybody has a different spiritual DNA, but how do you, you know, your prayer life. Some people make retreats, some people have a spiritual director, some people find, uh, whatever those things are, you have to find out what they are. Meditation is something that I've been struggling with. Being a flaming extrovert, bordering on spastic, it's difficult. <laughs> I always say um, I'm, a, I'm a contemplative extrovert. Or Henry Nowen always was, uh, somebody once referred to him as a contemplative nervous wreck. You know, and, and, I can, I, and I think one of the reasons why I love Henry so much is because I can relate to that. But I think that um, what keeps you grounded, those spiritual disciplines, there's also the physical self-care that's important, which I'm terrible at. But... You have to find some things that keep you um, being around. This is, this is another thing about the spiritual life in ministry, is that you have to put some boundaries on. Yes, we all need to vent. We all need people that we need. But there's some people who work in environments where all that's going on is people complaining. All there is is people uh, dealing with their frustrations and then and, and going to the water cooler or the lunch break room or whatever is people complaining about this person or that person or this committee or this staff person or this pastor or, or this member of McQuire or whatever. you got to be around people who are joyful. You have to find who are the joyful people in your life. And to me, that's part of the spiritual life. Who do you hang with? Who do you, who do you allow? 
And you can't, you can't completely live a, a total purified existence. I mean, if you're in ministry, you're going to deal with difficult people. <laughs> that's sort of, that's, I, mean, that's, that's, I mean, hello. That's, you know, um, and the, the way I often put it is, you know, we're all children of God, but, but some of us are problem children of God. <laughs> you know, but who do you hang with? Who are the people that bring you life and keep you positive and joyful? about can we um, find, uh, aside from all the difficulties and all the different wars going on in the church between musical style or conservative versus liberal and traditional versus contemporary, all that, all that stuff, you know, just gets in the way. Or, you know, or, or things like, uh, or, or, and also I think people in musical leadership need to monitor uh, joy in their ensembles. I don't want to sing those pieces. Or why did he get the solo and I didn't? You know, all those things rob us of what our mission is to be. I don't think it's too, I don't think it's utopian to to really strive for uh, being about the higher things. What is is it of God? I, I think that's one of the questions I keep trying to ask myself when I get negative and anxious and stressed and tight. And believe me, I'm, I can do that. I'm Italian. I can do that. <laughs> Um, but I said, is this of God? Is this, is this, um, this going to produce, uh, you know, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. He didn't say I didn't come that you might have liturgical correctness or get bogged down in so many of the things that happen at, you know, in the church environment. We need to cover the joy, recover the passion, recover the, the ultimate purpose, which is to allow people to pray and to celebrate and to lament and to be and be who they are.
Jackus put it really, really well at a talk I heard him give a number of years ago. He said, you know, all these things we do, you know, the workshops we go to and the music we buy and the formation and education and conferences and everything, are we better Christians as a result? That's, that's the ultimate thing. The ultimate evaluation of a good liturgy is not whether or not the banner fell over or whether or not the, the, you know, the choir blended well, or the ultimate evaluation is, is are we more Christ-like as a result? And I don't, and I don't think that's pie in the sky. So I, what I've been doing in, in recent years has been spending more of my time personally, but also outwardly of trying to do that. That's what I try to do with my website, with the, uh, the daily living reminder mm-hmm. meditations that you've been talking about. And, so, and even the, the book, I try to get at that. You know, I will bring you home and other things I've been writing to try to help provide resources or um, you know, the books that I've written for 23rd Publications and Clear Faith, trying to help raise those issues because I, I think we can't do what we do in a vacuum. It has to come out of a place of, of heart and of goodness and of faith. That was a long answer, sorry. No, I think, I think you hit it on the head though because I mean, and you know, I was thinking about this earlier, and as, as musicians, as ministers, as disciples, I mean, let's face it, we're following Jesus Christ, who was the example of kenosis and self-emptying. Yes. And he could com- just empty himself and empty himself. Yes. And so how do we find our balance when our model is one of just giving everything of ourselves, but if we can't take care of, I mean, I'm, I'm no Jesus Christ. I need to keep some of myself in some way in order to continue to give. I had a, oh, I had an experience. I don't think I've ever told anyone this story before. Um, a period with a choir, it was many years ago, where it just for, you know, weeks, a couple months, whatever, maybe more than a couple months, it just kind of wasn't going well. And my perception, everyone's a little crabby and the intonation isn't there and it's just not going that well. And, and I had no idea why, because I thought I was doing everything right. And at some point I was talking to a colleague who was working in music there and with that choir. And she said to me, you know, I was like, what am I doing? What, why isn't this working? Why can't I? She's like, you know, Jen, you could be a little kinder to them. It was like just this arrow through me. It's like, oh, it's because she was absolutely right that I hadn't been doing my own self-care and I hadn't been, I hadn't been in that place of joy and it wasn't just about me not being in that place of joy that it had infected the whole ensemble. It had probably been infecting the music in the whole parish. And if we can't find that place, it really that's does. Very, it affects. That's a very courageous self-inventory to do because I think we need to do more of that about, you know, like I, what I, how I put it earlier, is that am I doing is it of God? Is it of God? You know, is it, is it being that? You, you, you made the comment about, you know, well, I'm certainly not Jesus Christ, but yet you are. We're called to put on Christ, right? And, uh, you know, Teresa of Avila said, Christ has no body now on earth but yours yes. or ours or whatever. You know, and, and I think, so we, are, we do have to radiate that. We stumble at it, and we don't, but we are called to be that living face of, of Christ in order that they can be the living mm-hmm. face of Christ. I mean, that's that whole. So, and then, and then the other thing that comes to mind with that is that, you know, um, I've been to places where you know, churches, beautiful acoustics, incredibly skilled musicians, wonderful pipe organ. They do nothing but David Haas music. <laughs> not me. I mean, but, but meaning that, you know, everything about it's, it, and yet the people aren't singing. They're not responding. And then I've been to other places that have, you know, shag carpeting an inch thick and low beams, you know, and they don't have an organ. It's more like a 
toaster, you know, yeah. uh, and the people raise the roof. And so the question there is, I get this at workshops all the time. And, it's an, and of course, it's a question that we always want to work at. How do we get the people to sing? And of course, the key word there is get. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been to those places and the people don't, and I've been to these places where it's mediocre, but the people raise the roof. It's not how do you get people to sing, but what do they have to sing about? And I think that, you know, that, and that's, you know, you sort of hinted at that with your own st- story there, which is what are, what are we radiating? Are we radiating a sense of joy? Not naive, you know, giddiness, but a true belief in what we're doing. Are we communicating a true love of the people we're serving? And the only way you can do that is to work. And it's, a, it's work. It's a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline of deepening that, that relationship with God, that, that's, that spiritual center of reading and growing and praying and living with people who radiate that back to you. That is only going to come forth. And it's going to help you sing better. I say to choirs, you know, if you don't like each other, you're not going to blend really well. <laughs> I mean, if, you know, and, it's and, true. I, and I've done, yeah, but if you can tell when you like, you go on vacation, you go to a parish. You know, no one needs to go up to the microphone and say we all really love each other here. You can tell, and they and they sing better. They they actually do the musical stuff is actually the aesthetics. If you want to just narrow it to that, is better when there's a sense of joy and care and love in the space. The choir is called to be church. Suicide Martin used to always say to us. That, you know, yeah, they they sing, they sing in parts, they add solemnity to the music, but the, their primary calling is to be church. Wow, that really hit me when she first said that to me. But how do you become church unless you spend that time putting on Christ, with, keep clothing each other in Christ? You know, that's the spiritual life. with heartfelt mercy Forgive as the Lord forgives And over all put on love Dedicate yourselves to thankfulness Let the word of Christ dwell in you With psalms and and songs give thanks and praise to God bear with one another forgive one another forgive as the Lord forgives you in wisdom made perfect admonish one another in Or in action, do 
information, including details about the music you heard on today's podcast, please visit our website at singamen.giamusic.com. Sing Amen is produced and supported by GIA Publications.